Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, and saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs> It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. That OG real dream. Here we go. Another week. Whitetail Legacy Wednesday coming at you. We had last breath on this week. Uh... We're going to do back-to-back episodes with them because when they come in studio, we have too much fun, and they're too badass of guys to cut them off with one episode. Yep. So uh, this episode, we cover a lot. We had Grant and Garrett. Um, we talk about how they started Last Breath, um, their season this year from 16 turkeys to antelope to dropping giant bucks. Right so, off the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into our sponsors partners and get into the good stuff start with a vip veteran broadhead um i don't know if you guys had seen the hog video that's going around right now but if you haven't check out vip's website um there's a guy who shoots a hog and it it dies in like eight seconds yeah maybe yards goes away. 10 yards it's, like, it's so cool so um i think it's getting it's getting up there in views too and uh pretty cool to see that broadhead really put in the work that quick and put an animal down and homie's got the vip veteran broadhead shout out this week's vip veteran broadhead shout out is greg davis and he is part of the u.s army corps of engineers and he started that job in 2009 
So, Greg, uh, everybody here at Whitetail Legacy wants to thank you for your service. All right, let's get into ECW calls. We're going to be at Elmwood soon with them, and uh, I think I think I'm going to really check out their duck and goose line while I'm there. Uh, that's something that I haven't really checked out. I have a ton of friends that are really getting into duck and goose hunting, and I think that he's making a really quality call. Mm. Um, so I'd like to try out his short read and his long read calls and see what he has in that department. Of- I'm going to say you're the guy to do it because I'm, I have no idea about anything. Yeah, I'll check him out and see what he's got. Um, Scentlock. Uh, I seen Average Hunter got a pack of Scentlock socks. Did he? In his Hunt Vault Ooh. box. And he was saying that they're pretty nice. So, they are really nice. Uh, I've been wearing mine. Um, I, got, I got a pair on right now. Again. Do you really? Yeah. Dang, man, you're yeah. repping hard. One thing I... I, we shout it all, all the time, but the bag, man, that bag is solid. It's got literally every piece of camo that I own, and it's sitting right in the corner right now, all folded up, ready to go for next season. And I know everything is in one spot, and it can hold everything. And uh, my rangefinder is in the side box. My release is in the side box. <laughs> you need box. to keep an eyeball on that rangefinder. Yeah, I got everything in there that I need. So it's nice to have all that one spot. And with yeah. that bag, you're able to do that. That is nice. I mean, just because, you know, when season rolls around, you're going to be geared up, ready to go. And you're just going to know where everything's at. Yeah. And Ingram's outdoor obsession. Uh, he's getting real close on our bucks from this year, getting them done, uh, kind of mocked up of mine. He, I got to tell you what he's going to do with yours. that he told me that I forgot. I just oh, yeah? remembered. Oh, this is yeah. this is live. He's got some he's got some <laughs> cool ideas for yours to make it look a little better, and uh, I'm pretty excited for that. Oh, nice! So um, that's exciting. Um, when we release these mounts, people are going to be pretty blown away by the uniqueness of what Ingram is bringing to the table. Oh yeah! So let's get in with last breath and uh, let's talk about talk about how it was born and where they're going from here. I I see these guys going just like this podcast. We're going to be podcasting, and they're still going to be killing big deer. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ten years from now, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, here we go. We got the last breath boys in studio tonight. Thanks for coming out tonight, guys. We got Grant and Garrett. How you doing tonight, Grant? Doing well. How are you, Cody? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for making the long drive. How far was it? Uh, it's about 50 minutes 50 for me. minutes, wow. In Coal Valley, so yeah. uh, it's south and then a little bit east. All right, well, we got some studs in studio tonight. We got Garrett. Hello. How's it going, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. You were coming down from ice fishing, right? So it was on your way? Correct. Heck yeah. How'd you do? <laughs> Not so well. <laughs> Good fishing, bad catching. Yeah. Okay. A lot of fun, though, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to we're gonna cover a lot in this episode. Uh, first off, thanks for coming. We know you guys drove a long ways. Uh, we're kind of fanboys of you guys, so uh, we appreciate you being <laughs> here. And studio is always a blast. So... Uh, we uh, I'm gonna put my headphones on. I can't. Uh, yeah, I, can't do I, I told you. I told you to just do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, what uh, let's do the origins of Last Breath. Um, let's start with Grant. You know, well, what's your current profession? And uh, as a youth, what 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 got you in the outdoors? Okay, so uh, right now I'm 25 years old and I teach eighth grade math in Moline. Um, it's Woodrow Wilson Middle School. It's one of the two middle schools we have in Moline. Uh, there's about a thousand kids there, and I teach pre-algebra and algebra. Um, my origins, as far as I guess how I got here, um, I originally got interested in 
hunting from my uncle Ty. And uh, he was able to take me under his wing when I was about nine years old and take me out on my first deer hunt. Um, and so I didn't really know what the heck was going on. And uh, funny story about when he took me out, he, uh, he had explained to me, obviously, in retrospect, this was a huge lie, but he had explained to me that uh, the lower the number of shotgun, the less it kicks. So I got to take my first shot with the 12 gauge thinking, oh yeah, this is the, this is the easy (laughs) one to take. You know, I just got this one three inch bullet here. I'm going to load into this 12 gauge and I'm going to let her eat. I I definitely, I don't want to shoot a 22. That would be way too much kick for me, you know? So he got me going and uh, that, that was the first shot I've ever taken out of a shotgun with a deer slug. And that knocked me on my ass pretty quick. So he was able to take me under his wing, I guess. I'm different than a lot of people. Garrett and I kind of learned a little bit like trial by fire, I guess, kind of mostly on our own how to hunt. Um, But uh, my dad was never really a big hunter. He was a big fisherman, but I kind of got into the hunting side of things when I met Garrett um, in the beginning of when I was in high school and I was about 14, 15, and then it kind of just took off from there. So uh, that's, I guess, the origins of how I got into hunting and what I do. Nice. All right, Garrett, what about you, brother? Yeah, uh, 28. I'm a key account manager for Blue Links. Uh, long story short, we distribute wood. So um, nothing related to the outdoor industry, but I do love my job. It's very forgiving, and I really enjoy the people I work with. But as, as far as the outdoor origins go, it it's not too different than most people, right? You always talk about um, a person, an elder, that brings you up into it. Uh, very similar like Grant's story. Uh, my grandfather and my dad were both outdoorsmen, but they weren't the diehards that I would consider myself and Grant to be today. You know, they, they enjoyed squirrel and rabbit hunting and they loved fishing, but it wasn't a year-round absolute, this is what I'm going to do. It's on my mind all the time. So, um, you know, I got to dabble in it here and there with them and my dad was a bow hunter but again you know he he was the type of guy that he was happy to to knock down a deer and um and he was successful uh, he didn't target deer and and i guess you know 15 18 years ago is a lot different than it is now even the market and industry so um like grant said we decided to kind of take it by the horns pun intended uh, when we were in high school and it it never stopped yeah when you guys started filming in high school too, right? You were really young. <laughs> yep, really yeah. young. I think this what this it's been in like a decade. That makes us feel me feel old, and I don't <laughs> yeah. think yeah. we should because we're still pretty dang young. But yeah, it's been a long time. That's nice. a good spin into like the origin of, of yeah. Last Breath Media Company, yeah. right? So when we first started hunting, I I'm being older than Grant. I had to drive everywhere, and nice. um, both of our parents were kind of hesitant. You know two young kids going out in the woods by themselves with weapons like well, is this a good idea you know so we had to stick to the buddy rule we couldn't split up but wherever we went we had to go together so that one of us would always be able to save the other one or whatever right so um it all started with dad's hand-me-down like vhs tape video camera and i mean you want to talk about some rough footage man i mean oh yeah it, it's it's almost hard to watch that stuff because you're like what and we're like well we're 16 yeah. and 13 but um yeah so so we literally used to sit in double ladder stands or back to back against each other on the ground i mean we're talking 
the basic beginnings yeah. of uh, where we are today. And with them VHS uh, recorders, you know, what you shoot is what you watch. Yeah. You ain't get to get rid of the first three seconds of you turning the camera on and, you know, getting situated. Oh, yeah. Whatever you shoot is what you watch on the tape. <laughs> oh, yep. Dude, I, I know looking back, like our cameras were so no Deer could hear them. 100 yeah, percent oh my goodness yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when you'd zoom in like yeah. you know and you'd see a deer's ear just kind of like turn <laughs> Ooh, what's that then we we didn't know but now we like oh man yeah how did we get away with so much <laughs> so but yeah i mean and then and then i guess as it progressed you know we didn't do much editing or production then we were just recording it bring it home and watching it on tv um, How cool was that being that old, like being 14 or 15, 16, just looking at what you guys are doing out there? I think it's pretty cool just to, I don't know, I, Garrett and I always say, well, people ask us this, I guess. Uh, I, we probably get this question a couple times here, like, what's your backup plan? What's your out? Uh, there's not going to be like an out. I think we're going to continue to do this till most likely we uh neither of us can walk or hunt anymore so we've got quite a few years left before that happens and uh just to, to be able to share that experience with somebody that's like a non-hunter or to explain why it means so much and to share that memory and how it all happened live with your family people that you care about that's why we do it and got into doing this in the first place you know i like i said my family my immediate family my mother father and sister none of them are hunters so to be able to take it back to them and say this is literally what happened right behind our house here in our woods 30 minutes ago what mm. there's bucks that live back there that's awesome you know and to be able to share that with them is pretty cool yeah yeah i've been i was able to show my two-year-old my hunt this year or three-year-old my hunt this year and through the editing process, well, he thinks he found the deer, right? Mm -hmm. So he called me out because <laughs> he's seen me <laughs> yeah. go to the deer. And then he was like, you found it without me? I was like, no. Uh, no, oops, no. Oops, that was after. That was after. <laughs> so just being able to share it with him is cool, like you're saying. Being able to share yeah. it. That's why we always say if you want to get into filming, try it out. See if it's for you. And and if you do it for yourself, it's it's rewarding and instead of if you don't want to release anything it's still rewarding to be able to have those memories so. yep yeah i mean nothing a good deer hunting story gets stretched a little bit if you're not stretching it you're not telling it right, right. but to be able to you know have the footage to you know show people be like no he really did this or you know one of them crazy nights out you know it, um it's it's just cool to look back on and be like this is how awesome it was but it's funny how it's changed like um I find myself now more than, than I guess, being happy with the experience. It's we're rolling through footage and I'm analyzing the shots. It's changed so much. I totally yeah. get what you're saying, and and maybe maybe that's something that that we need to kind of look back and understand. When we started, we were just happy to get footage. I right. mean, anything, and we'd plug it in and enjoy it. And now, you know, you, you always got to be your hardest critic. But yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. It's I think definitely you guys evolved. are just like us, man. Anything that you get or do, you're going to be like, oh, man, it could be better. You know yeah. what I mean? It could be better. And that's what makes you better. Like I say all the time on this podcast, when you're satisfied, you're done. Just hang it up because yeah. you're going to be there stuck. If yeah. you're not satisfied, you're always going to be you know, getting a better shot or a different angle or better equipment or something, and you're always going to get better with just being like, well, this is good. We got it. Then you're, you're done. Right. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, look at us two years ago to have oh, what God. we got now. We'd it have was been terrible. Like, we'd, have been, we'd have been stoked. Yeah. But now we're yeah. buying new cameras, buying new lenses. Yeah. I mean, we're it's just, a vicious cycle, man. It, it is. Successful people are never satisfied. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're hitting it on the head. If it's not the shot, it's the equipment. If it's not the equipment, it's the animal. If it's not the animal, it's it's your following. I mean, it's a never ending. It's never yep. ending. You always. <laughs> I call homie. Three times a day, like, man, we need to do this. We need to do this. <laughs> yeah. We need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Half that, the shit I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need you to do it. Yeah, I can't do that. Well, we need to find someone that can. Right? <laughs> so, like, well, that costs money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> a lot. So let's talk about rebranding. You guys were jag right? oh yeah yeah and yeah. the sticker's still at mcdonald's man i still see yeah. it i'm like I'll, i drive through there i'm like yes i know still holding strong i know i know when jesse goes to mcdonald's yeah. i get a snapchat of yeah. <laughs> we still own that domain so we're winning but uh i'll tie into it and you can finish up so jag was an acronym i mean this started in high school and in high school is like the jag boys always run around is jake wiedemeyer aaron hass grant and myself and we were literally bow fishing in a 14-foot fiberglass boat on the river for the jumping Asian carp, you know. Mm. We are like, what are we going to call ourselves? And that, we came up with that. Well, several years down the road, a little bit of marketing and graphic design experience, we understand what, it's t- time to modernize ourselves. Um, and, and then last breath came to fruition. We had some personnel change, and it, the acronym and, and the logo just wasn't quite what we thought was fitting yeah so i i guess the way we explain it to people when they look at our emblem it's it's not really indicative of anything outdoorsy it could be a a women's perfume company logo it could be an outdoor um tent logo it could be a fisheries logo it's kind of it's kind of uh modern and a little bit different for the industry if you will i think like a lot of the industry right now is something dealing with a bow, something deal with a broadhead, something deal with an antler, or potentially a skull, um, where we said, okay, let's rebrand. Let's make something very clean. Um, let's make it able to be put upon shirts, hats, anything we really want to. And um, I guess we explained to people like Nike. Exactly why is Nike the swoosh? I don't know, but it is. And everybody realizes that nike's emblem is the swoosh so we just decided you know what we're going to do something a little different make it a little bit more clean make it modern because that's kind of what we want our brand to be at the end of the day is crisp um clean imagery clean videography and uh, share that with our fans so that's i guess the reason that we went with that logo yeah that's exactly what i was going to say it's clean and it's just it describes you guys in a nutshell i mean everything you do is professional and super clean i mean we look at our stuff we're like oh my god dude we can't compare it right now it's just it's no not, no it's, way it's man. not in there you gotta so own what you are. Yeah, yeah 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 and we we do we're doing it our own way but uh but like like i said you're it it showcases who you guys are as people professional and as a company and what you guys do you know you're you're super professional, super nice, and, and everything you do is clean, work-wise. You know? I so appreciate that. I think Thank your you. logo represents that, and, the, and your shirts and stuff that came out this year, those are sweet, too, man. Thanks, I, man. We need Thank to get you. on those. I yeah. don't know what we've been doing We here. should have brought some. I don't know why yeah. we didn't. We'll take your, we'll take your sizes today. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the logo, when you guys leave here, your logo's on my truck window, Oh, but... I don't have a last breath under the bottom. That's okay. Uh, so um, people think I, he's selling vacuum cleaners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
some uh, matter i think it was matt seeing me at walmart and he texted me and said hey are you at walmart i said yeah and then so when i went out mm-hmm. i seen his and it had last breath under the bottom yeah i was like oh shit like I don't have the last breath part because I didn't see it on the sticker. Oh, no, like, dude. Oh, it, hopefully that. in time, it's strong enough. We don't need to have that yeah. underneath, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like Grant was saying, sometimes I feel like a lot of individuals or teams in the outdoor industry, which is very small, people think it's just just huge, vast, never-ending thing. I mean, we started looking, like he said, at Chevy. And Nike, what are those? Those logos have nothing indicative of an automaker mm-hmm. or a clothing line. Some of the strongest, most successful companies and brands out there, they just they have something unique and it works. And that's what we went for. So don't nice. feel bad. Hopefully one day we don't need <laughs> the, the the name right underneath it. You know. Yeah. So uh, what is what's Last Breath's direction from here on out? Take it off, Rocket Man. Okay, so um, right now we we're looking at several different things. Um, number one being local television broadcasting um, on channel six and channel eight um, out of the Quad City, so it'd be KWQC. Um, that'd be a primary direction that we want to go on local advertising. Um, so we want to build a stronger uh, sense of community within and amongst the hunters that we share the same demographic, the same location in Illinois and the same places where we live, grow up and hunt. Um, so that's, that's our first objective as of right now. And then moving forward, um, we really want to aggressively grow our YouTube channel. So <clears throat> right now there are a couple people that I think are doing a very, very, very good job of marketing their YouTube channel and they're becoming Titans on YouTube. And that's, I think at the end of the day, YouTube's kind of a measuring stick for how much awareness your brand has um because you know like a waypoint tv carbon tv the outdoor channel the pursuit channel um most of those numbers kind of go unseen you know nobody knows if lee and tiffany got one view last night on episode five of season 11 or whatever they're on or two hundred fifty thousand. now obviously it's not one it's much higher than that (laughs) it's astronomically how how many eyes are watching their stuff but Um, The point I'm making is YouTube is kind of like, okay, I'm pulling this up. Holy crap. These guys have 502,000 views on this video. That's insane. I'm going to take a look at this. So we're really trying to fuel the YouTube jet right now. So um, we're constantly trying to think of ways to grow our following, to maintain the subscribers we have, to keep them interested, and coming up with new schemes to keep those followers engaged. So lots of YouTube um, channels kind of do one dump of content. Um, when we feel like that steady drip of content is, is highly beneficial. Like, um, like we were talking about before we started this podcast, video is, video is a fickle thing because if we were able to do, you know, one week turnaround on all of our video and, you know, let's say that Garrett shoots Josh October, what was it? The 11th and all of a sudden on October 20th, everybody can go and watch Josh. Now that would be awesome, but I just don't have the time to do that with with my work schedule and because that's during hunting season. So that steady drip of content, like a podcast, is extremely valuable. So right now we're trying to think of ways, um, and we have some ways to do that in the future, of coming up with that steady flow of content so that our viewers are always getting something new and uh, hopefully something we'll be proud to put our name and brand on. So that's, I guess, on the future of video, what's in store for us. Yeah, I think YouTube's huge. Uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, you go on YouTube, there's just a vast amount. But what is going to be cool for you guys is 
when you go on YouTube, it's like there's almost like a YouTube style, right? And mm-hmm. you guys don't fit it. So I think when you guys are heavily on YouTube and people find you, they're going to be like, okay, this is the legit stuff, right? This is the good stuff. And everything else is the people that are following the YouTube algorithm or whatever, trying to hit that maximum amount of time to get the most ad views. And you guys aren't doing that. You're you're keeping it clean. You're telling the story and you're getting out, which I think when people see that, they're going to be like, this is much better than watching a guy for 30 minutes and he kills one deer and there's 75 interviews, right. you know, sure. but that's, what's popular right now. There's a lot of brands that are doing that and it's working well for them, you know, yep. but me and homie watch it and we're like, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how they have so many views, but right. sure. it blows me away. Yep. And us, we're trying to keep it as short as possible. Yep. That's just us because we're new. We know, our quality isn't there, so we don't want people to be like, okay, four minutes in, we're bored, and then you miss the rest of the right, story. Right. Sure. And I feel like with them, they're getting the views, but I don't know how long people are hanging around. You know, sure. when I watch sure. something, I'm like, skip, 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 skip. Let's get to the good stuff. Right. You know, with right. you guys, it's always good stuff. You know. Thank you. So Thank you keep, again. Keeping you engaging. You're out of focus. You're in focus. You're here's a drone shot. Here's, I mean, the transition shots, and people are just like, we're walking to the stand. We're talking about hunting deer. Okay, now it's the next day. We're talking about hunting deer. And I'm just like, man, I can't watch this. But that's what's doing well. So I think once people find your YouTube, yep. it's going to explode. And and I was just on there a few days ago when I messaged you. Yeah. And the amount of content that you guys have on there is incredible. You guys yep. have a ton of content. And did did you just push some of that like, recently? Did you just push all that content on there recently? Or yep. Ha- yeah. So it's been about four months ago that yeah. we dropped all of our past seasons. So all of our, our stinger season and then our four seasons that we have live now on Carbon TV, um, we pushed them live onto there. Um, so we, we thought, you know, YouTube's a forefront and we want to aggressively try to grow this. And one of the demographic ages that we're lacking in right now is that 35 to 60. And there's a Mm. lot of people in that age bracket that are on YouTube right now wanting to look for content. Um, and so we thought, you know, this is an untapped forefront here. Once we find out the right ticket, um, this is going to, this is going to really grow wings and start flying. So yeah. We were looking at ours today, and from is it it's twenty is it twenty? It's twenty to like thirty one, and that's sixty three percent of our following is hmm. twenty to thirty one. Yep, and that's the age that we that is or it's twenty four to thirty one. It's twenty four to thirty one. That's yep. what's really hitting with us. So probably the same thing for you guys. But like yep. you said, YouTube. I mean, it's been around for a long time. People know it's familiar. that they can get easy, quick content. Correct right there so yep. i think you guys are doing the the right thing going to youtube and and you guys are going to be successful because you're successful i would say and, and yeah. one thing about you guys is you could watch any episode and get the feel for how probably every other episode is going to be as far as quality goes us you're probably going to see one episode and be like damn that was that was awesome and then you go to the next one and be like eh. <laughs> oh come on <laughs> But no, yeah, I mean, all your guys' quality and every video's right there, um, bringing a new a new person into the spotlight, and I mean, that's cool. Everybody everybody gets in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way Grant edits is is pretty unique. You know, he again, it's all outlined, it's all structured. Uh, a couple things that I think he does unique is that he targets key, like he literally will write out key emotions that he wants people to feel. So when you watch our episodes, it's not. Just like you're saying, Cody, the cut and dry mm-hmm. A, B, C, D deer hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trying to make you smile 
and you don't even realize you are. Like you, you the video ends and you feel good. Yeah. The video ends and you feel that pin in your stomach when you know that that bad moment happened or something. And uh, um, that transfer of emotion is is really what gets everybody coming. Yeah, back. but it's not an easy task. It's it hard. takes, it yeah. takes a lot of work behind the camera and even more work behind the editing suite. Yeah, and sure. that's what we figured out this year. You have to film. You have to figure out what you want to do and then film that way for that story the whole year. Yeah, because you can't fake it. I mean, there's a lot of shows that go, you know, and we've worked with them and we've done help filming and stuff. And they they go do all these retakes or these fill-ins for they get to kill. And then it's like, well, we got to backtrack. And you can do that. But it is, it's scripted. It's it's monotone that you can't fake the real deal. Like when you got Mr. You can't fake that. No. Mm. I mean, as much as you want to try, I cannot fake what we're, I. We're deer hunters. We're <laughs> yeah. not actors, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's what we try to do. And Grant does like. Yeah, you do. You do an awesome job, job, man. Yeah, rock star job. I Thank miss you. I miss Cody's fastest sixty yard sprint. Other than that, we got it all. <laughs> <laughs> we got about like three seconds. I'm out of the tree, and then I'm on a full, like, I seen the inside kicker once I got on the ground, yeah. and I was like, oh, it's him, because I told homie, I was like. It's not him, just because I didn't want to think about it. But then he got there. I'm like, is it him? Because he's yeah. on the ground. I'm like, is it him? And he's like, oh, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> I was like, there's, there's no other deer that's that heavy walking around. So We kind of covered your niche already. Yeah. But uh, do you want to go dive into a little more of that? or No, I think we're, yeah, good. Let's, think we're good. Let's recap so, the season. Yeah, let's recap the season. So. I was following your guys' snap story. I mean, you guys are some straight killers, man. I'm like, I'm like, oh, there, there's another turkey. Well, there's an antelope. That's unexpected. I'm like, okay, they all shot deer in October. <laughs> I'm like, man, these guys are crushing it. But let's uh, let's get into the turkeys, man. Uh, how many birds did you guys kill this year? Uh, this year we killed 16 birds. You sure it ain't frozen. And uh, that's good. All right. Yeah. I, as much as we love deer hunt, I mean, we love it all, right? But turkey hunting. Especially for us, I mean, it's just a, it's such a good time. It's that interaction, and and I mean, we're usually, um, we we do a good job at it as far as harvesting our birds. And uh, so this year we we did this last year, um, we really we really excelled. We went to South Dakota, um, you know, we hunted with some youth this season, got some people their first birds, and and that was super special. Um, and then let alone, you know, we just we capitalized on the farms that we have to hunt here in Illinois. So you're allowed three turkeys, which is kind of unique, and um, and we we just we hammered them. It was it was a fun spring. Yeah, I think we we talking about turkey. Homie loves turkey hunting. I'm kind of I've shot a, a ton of turkeys, so I'm just kind of like at the point where I'm burnt out. But I I feel what you're saying. It's less stressful than deer hunting to me, right? Yeah, it's a turkey, right? So here comes a turkey. It's not well. I got to pass this one or whatever. It's <laughs> right, a turkey, right? So it's less stressful. Every one is a trophy. Yeah, it's yeah. stress. It's less stressful to me because like deer season, it's not like I gotta get it done so I look good or whatever. It's I gotta personally get it done for myself, right? Because that if I didn't get it done, I'm a failure to myself. That's how I look at it. And homie is the same way, somewhat, but he thinks I'm harder on myself than I am than him but yeah, whatever sure. but turkey turkeys are awesome homie loves them but I, I just don't i i yes. mean i just don't get jacked like a deer and i say that all the time but i'm gonna go i'm going this year i'm taking my wife get her first bird i'm gonna try to get mine another one and then homie's gonna try to get one i don't know how many years it's been since he shot one it's been a while <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been two years but it was a jake so <laughs> it's all right it counts still oh, counts. yeah i'm counting it <laughs> 
But I, I, I get what you're saying, Cody, and I will agree 100%. Harvesting a tom has no comparison to that target buck that you've patterned and watched grow up. You've got history with. I mean, that's a completely different feeling and an achievement. The thing that we enjoy about turkey is, like you said, it's camaraderie. You don't have to worry about wind. They're no. they're gobbling at you. Usually, the action is really really intense. You know, they're bum rushing the decoys. If you ever reaped a turkey, he tried this. Oh man! I mean, so <laughs> Logan, my wife, she did it for the first time this year. Now nice. I got to be right there with her when it happened. I mean, <sighs> these these things don't happen with with deer hunting as much as we want to put it on a pedestal. It's it's educated it's slow, ambushing, man. Right, it's slow. You know, and, and you do everything you can to, to, to be right. And then when Grant will say this more times than not, you get to the, like that sixtieth hunt of the year. Yeah, it's a it's wearing it's on hard, you, man. man. You're like, oh, I'm never gonna get it done. That's what you feel like. You're like, I might yeah. as well be sitting on the couch. Yeah, it's not gonna yep. happen. Yeah, yep. yep. so it's just nice, and it comes at the perfect time. You know, spring and that and turkey season, just that. That high intensity, high impact, high success, and you've been um, wanting to hunt something for months, right? You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, yes, yep. I can go kill something finally. So yeah, but you don't feel as bad taking a nap either with that. No, because you, you don't feel warm. like you don't yeah. feel like you're going to miss warm. anything. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. if you take a nap out there, you're like, man, one sixty is going to walk by. I'm going to miss it. You know, sleeping here, you're like, ah, it's just a turkey. You know, I, I got it. So. Then, then you guys snuck this. Did you guys have the Colorado antelope hunt planned, or did you guys just like we're going to Colorado? <laughs> uh, so it was actually Grant had set it up and Jeff for my bachelor party. Oh so man! They, oh, wow. they gave me a, an idea that was happening, so we get ready. But um, we, you know, we didn't really advertise or boast it. So no. Um, but that was that was again another trip that. Sometimes you need those types of hunts, right? Yeah. Uh, we hunt them with a rifle. Uh, both Grant and I and Jesse Logan have hunted them with a bow and arrow, and they are the hardest. I, I'm not kidding. The hardest animal to kill with a bow and arrow, spot and stalk. Um, mm, that's tough. Than anything. So the rifle hunt, it was, um, you know, it's still a hunt, but but you have, especially with us being real, we hardly ever get to hunt with a rifle unless mm-hmm. we're hunting for song dogs. So, um it was nice. It was a, it was a confidence booster. It was three up, three down, um, all great goats. Um, so it, it was a it was a ton of fun. Yeah, nice. it's uh, I I think one thing that I really pride ourselves on, I guess, doing is I don't, I don't ever want to be the outdoorsman that like pigeonholes myself into one thing or another, one species or another, one weapon or another. Um, I think whatever it takes to go and get it done, that's that's what I'm willing to do. I mean. I I've never shot a Boone and Crockett class whitetail yet, but I would imagine that it would feel pretty dang good killing one with a gun just as much it would be with a bow. And now it I, does. I think there's that <laughs> there's that you know uh-huh. there's that intimacy of killing it with a bow, but I don't want to handicap myself and uh, I also wanna I also wanna do everything that I can to to be successful and to have a great time in the outdoors. And I, I feel like any outdoorsman, um, Regardless of where they're at mentally with hunting, I feel like the reason that we do it is for that taste of success, personally. I mean, I respect the people that go out there year in and year out and are doing it for the um, the enjoyment of nature, if you will, the connection with nature. But to a point, if I've, if I've sat in a tree for a hundred hunts and now it's January 1st and I've been white tail hunting the whole time. I would really like to kill something. <laughs> yeah. I did not, you know, there's only so many ways to, to, um, 
record like a slow motion leaf in and out of focus. I mean, at some <laughs> at some point, people want to people want to see you get it done. And I myself, as the hunter, I I mean, I also want to have that feeling too. And I th- feel like that's kind of the the reason that we do it, I guess. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. And it's something I think about myself all the time. But to have an antelope hunt where we can go out and um, Jeff Garrett and I, we practice the week leading up every day after work, after school and, uh, using our rifle, getting our stuff all sighted in and square, learning our MOA clicks, um, stuff like that to the point where we would be lethal and fast and deadly out there, um, when we hit the ground running and, uh, that's what we did. And it, it was a great feeling comparatively to like seeing them with a bow because that 200 yard mark with a bow, it's like, okay, we're getting there. And that 150 yard marks like, okay, they're watching us now. Right. How do we get, how do we get to 50 and get a, and get an ethical archery shot on this, on this antelope? I mean, it's, I think what the last time we were out there spotting stock with our bows, I think he and I, and over the course of eight days got within killable distance of a bow four times, I would say in eight days. And I, I think we it's important for yeah, four, but we got within shooting distance, shooting distance four times, yeah. but shot opportunity was <laughs> right a one time, which you harvested your goat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like what Grant said, I mean, it's, I would say it's one of the biggest controversies in our industry right now. There's a lot of conflict, um, but one of them is like the, the holier art thou I'm out here for nature factor. And then the people who are, are killers. And I don't want to say mm-hmm. that it sounds sadistic, but like, it's like a game, right? You play to win. And yeah. you, like you said, you're hard on yourself. You want to get it done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I truly enjoy the outdoors. I absolutely love it. I mean, I wouldn't be out there all the time if I didn't, but when it's deer season, I'm there to, to kill a deer. Yeah. And when it's turkey, I'm there to kill a turkey. And I don't want to sound like some, some really red eyed, bloodthirsty outdoorsman here, but that's why we do it. That's what we do. Yeah. Right. If I want to enjoy nature, I'd go to estes park for a week in colorado and just take it all in but if i go to colorado i'm gonna have a tag in my pocket you know what i mean so just like when we started with the origins you know we you all go through that stage where you're you're not very successful when you're young right you don't kill a lot of deer and you hunt a lot because you got a lot of free time just like you know us you get you get out of school you go hunt every day you can right and you're you're probably not playing the wind you're not playing sink control yeah you're just going hunting right so you get that nature and then eventually you're like okay now I want to step up to where maybe I only want to kill a buck and, you know, and now, now I want to kill an eight pointer or now I want to kill a big deer, you know, or a mature deer, whatever people say. But that's how I think it. When people say, well, I, I go out there for nature. I'm like, yeah, I was at that stage at one time and I'm still there and I love every second of it. Most of the time <laughs> when right. it's cold, when it's cold oh. and you're on, you know, your 150th hour in stand, you're like, okay. I'm I'm done, man. I'm done. I'm just ain't gonna happen. It's it gets really hard, right? Yep. It's but a mental grind. Just like you're saying, the industry. I think there's a lot of the industry like they're only with bow hunting, or they're only they're not. Right. They're in bow hunter, or they're not. And then and some of them are even like, well, muzzleloader. That's that's okay. But I'm like, it's a gun, right? So it's it's all sure. it's all the same thing. <clears throat> Who cares? Yeah. You're doing the same thing. That's what me and homie say. If if I wouldn't have had a gun in the stand when Mister Freeze came in. He would have been 35 yards? A mm, little bit farther. He'd have been about 45, kind yeah. of uphill. I mean... It, a hard shot with archery equipment. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's it, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He, he was uphill, and it would have been a hard shot with archery equipment. So, and I took the advantage of 
taking a gun and i get i get a lot of crap for taking him with a gun people say well you shot it with a gun i'm like or you're you're more of a gun hunter i'm like if a 190 comes in on you and you got a gun and a bow in your stand <laughs> right i you're a man if you grab that bow and you're like i'm gonna wait for him to get into bow range <laughs> or if he's at 55 60 yards where i shot him and you shoot him with a gun i don't i man i, I can't I, don't get, let i mean unfortunately yeah. there's a lot of jealousy in this industry dude um, so much and in social media ton of keyboard warriors out there yeah you know you gotta enjoy it. i'll tell you this much right now here's a fact he's gonna look just oh, yeah. as good on the wall <laughs> whether you killed him with a stick a bow yeah. a rock or a gun he's gonna look just as good man yeah and so, and that memory's gonna be just as vibrant it is so definitely don't Dude. let him don't let him devalue that if you would have got him with a spear, we could have had we could have like mounted a mannequin spear in it. Yeah, <laughs> we need more room well, in the studio. You, but you never would have been able to get endorsed by Under Armour. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been out. But yeah, just like you guys, we're we're for all types of hunting. If you want to get out there and kill them with a crossbow, bow, spear, rifle, whatever, I go Missouri rifle hunting every year. Yeah, right and. I passed a couple small small bucks, decent bucks. My grandpa shot a doe. I was able to get that on film. It's the only film that I have ever hunting with my grandpa my whole entire life, and I got to to save it, right? So that's special to me, and people were like, well, it's a rifle. And I was telling homie, like, if we go down there and – we're going to try to dedicate some days down there because there's sure. some nice deer on the farm. Right? Oh, yeah. There's some, there's some, it's Southern Missouri, but there's some really nice mature deer there. And I feel like I was telling him, if you can see it, you there, can kill it. You can kill it. Like yeah. with, with my 270, I'm really comfortable to 250, 300. I'm very comfortable with that right. range, right? So if you can see it and, and everything, I mean, homie, see my footage. I mean, 100 yards is about it right 150 yeah. yards and then yeah. it's timber it's thick if you're hunting on a field crp or whatever 100 yards is about it so if you see it it's it's dead so it's a different type of hunting but it's still hunting in general right and i'm gonna take homie you've never hunted with a rifle no i'm gonna try to get him to come down there he had a baby during <laughs> the time that he was supposed to come rifle hunting with His me this year did yeah well yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah i, I would have whisked out and not pushed it out <laughs> you stay Hold in it. there man i'm going rifle hunting <laughs> so that's awesome i hope you get one homie yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna i i'm pretty sure i'm gonna try it out and uh you know it'll be something new something different um i'm not sure where my standards are gonna be at uh, would you I have mean, shot the buck i passed no <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty small so uh, I'm I'm excited about it, and I hope we can get down there and kind of do what you did this year, and yeah. and then kind of do our it's own. It's a lot thing of fun. And, My grandma yeah. cooks food every like awesome. she don't get to cook for people, so it's like she's trying to fatten you up. Oh yeah, breakfast. it's like the Jewish mother manja. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, breakfast and then supper. You're like this is like 95 people's worth of food. <laughs> she's like just keep eating. Just keep yeah. eating. <laughs> you're on your fourth plate. Did you get enough? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, antelope hunting to get back to where we were at. Yeah. I mean, that, that is super cool. When you guys are out there, I'm like, man, they were just dropping them. And, and in my mind, it didn't even register, like, rifle bow. That's just, I was just like, man, these guys are getting it done. Mm. That's what I kept thinking. I'm yeah, like, right. And I'm mm. like, man, I, I want to go shoot an antelope. <laughs> yeah, that's, we, what that's what I'm thinking. We got a connection, man. If you, you ever want to yeah. go. Uh, you motivated me to be like, man, we could do that. It's yeah, an obtainable like, hunt, too. Yeah. Um, I, and like one of the things like Grant was saying, so Nikon, we're, we work with Nikon, love their products. Um, and again, with us, we don't have, I, I guess the, 
the touch is with rifle and high-powered optics that a lot of your Western guys do. Mm. So we got to experience that. We talked with our uh, Nikon representatives, and they would recommended some things. And it was our first time using an MOA scope. So it really changed the way that I look at optics now. Um, again, we'll try to talk about something in the Midwest that most people can can grasp, and that's coyote hunting, right? Yep. Most guys <clears throat> will hunt with 22-250, a rifle. And around here, 200, 300 yards, that's literally about it, unless you're in a really special spot. So, example being, all Grant and I's coyote gun, we have it sighted in, and then if it's a longer shot, we would just hold over, right? So, again, 300 yards, usually my, my 204 drops four inches. So, that's not that bad. We, I built a 6.5 Creedmoor, and we topped it with a Nikon FX1000. Sweet scope, and it's a great weapon system. But an MOA is actually a unit of measure, and you you sight your gun in to be exactly dead on at 100 yards, and then you have clicks or MOAs for your fall. Now, so like Jeff shot his antelope at over 500 yards, wow. which is mind-blowing to us. Like, you talk to some guys that are living out yeah, west, like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's nah. every day, oh, that's man. A chip shot. <laughs> but for us Flatlanders, man, I mean... It's yeah. like 500 yards. You're like, whoa, is that a goat or, or a dog? I'm not really <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? So what I'm getting about is like the scope is different in the, in the sense that you actually dial your crosshairs in rather than holding over. So at 300 yards, a coyote doesn't look that far in a scope, mm-hmm. in a magnified scope, four inch holdover, not too bad, but at 500 yards and you got, you know, about a five mile an hour crosswind and your bullet drops 40 inches. Yeah. That's really hard to, to try to process that. Instead of with the scope, you dial up your MOAs, and then you hold your crosshair straight, too. And that clean sight picture, that ability to dial in your optics, hold steady, and and put it there made a big difference for all of us. Because we had a a large variance of of distances of shooting. Grant shot his about 300 yards. Mine was um, the closest one, about 160. Um, But, you know, it whatever it was, we dialed the scope in, settled, and shot. And it made a big difference. And, and that's all based off the 100-yard sighting? So, yep. yeah. So with an MOA scope, you top it. You sight it in at 100 yards. Dead nuts. Then you'll actually remove your turrets and set it back to zero. So your gun is zeroed out at 100 yards, mm-hmm. cutting holes. You, The proper way to do this, then, is you put out 100-yard targets, and you'll shoot a group of five. We shot groups of five. And we would measure down how far that bullet actually dropped with my gun and my barrel and everything. So you would have, like an example, I've got it memorized. My Creedmoor drops about four inches with at 200 yards. So that's two MOAs because every, every inch is 100 yards is one inch. At 200 yards, one MOA is two inches. At 300 yards, one MOA is three inches and so on and so forth. So my gun drops 4.2 inches at 200 yards, so I would move my scope two MOAs, two times two is four, uh-huh. and now my crosshairs are dialed in. So, so on and so forth, we shot our gun out to 500 yards, took physical measurements, and then calculated how much we had to convert that into an actual MOA drop, sketched it right on this on the side of the buttstock, and we're good to go. Okay, so... Once you once you do it and you figure out how much it drops, you can almost preset it at 200 yards. I need to be this Two. clip. Yep, yep. Just yep. okay. many clips. Exactly. 300 yards. It's X clicks, and so on and so forth. Nice. It's, it's math. Somebody really smart figured out this system, and it's foolproof. You can do it with any gun, any any 
weight and his speed. It's it's always going to be consistent. Like I said, uh, and one MOA is one inch at 100 yards, and then it it carries on. So one MOA at 200 is two inches. One MOA at 300 is three inches, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> Yeah, that's right. nice. Nikon made that so easy for simple-minded guys like right. us. Right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All well, right, we talked about turkeys and out west. Let's get to the nitty-gritty, the good, the stuff that I like. You know. Oh yeah. Yep. So, uh, you guys were insanely successful this year. I mean, I was we, every Instagram we'd be like, "Bam, Last Breath just dropped another buck." <laughs> yeah, he'd, I'm like, "Dang!" He'd man. be like, "Do you see the latest deer on Last Breath store?" I'm like, "What?" Yeah, Again? homie's like, "What?" They just shot one two days ago. I'm like, I'm like "Yeah, I'm man." Like, I know they got six people, but you just can't hunt that much, can you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky. I mean, we getting. I guess we should have covered it. I'm gonna say it right now. One thing that's unique about us is that. And I I won't go into a big tangent. I promise. Oh no, go talking ahead, about man. origin. This is your show. You've had Matt and Jesse on. Our company, our team, if you will, is six great friends. We don't hire cameramen. We don't, you know, get somebody who's not. I don't want to say affiliated. Just a, I guess, a third party to film us. So we genuinely like when we're hunting with when I hunt with Grant. I feel his six. You know what I mean. Yeah. I want it, and and you turn to that person, and you just you want to give them a big bear hug when they get it done. So, with us, and you're talking about the six of us. Oh my goodness, man! When 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 we get a phone call in November, like we oh, yeah. oh we know, you know what <laughs> I mean, uh, and so on and so forth. So to get back to that, you know, I kicked it off this year in October. Grant actually saw this deer the day before. We were hunting a farm, and we'd had trail camera pictures of him. We knew he was mature, um, had him on the farm the year before. It's actually in the second year leasing this piece. Um, but the farmer pretty much carved the way for us. And he opened up this field, and he left it open for a long time. Um, and where we were hunting was in a pinch point that we thought we were going to hunt a little bit later. But given where he'd opened up the field and, and where this deer was bedding, um, Grant and I went in the day before. We, we put eyes on him and really almost killed him then. He came to about 90 yards. Um, he was still with a couple younger bucks, uh, so he wasn't being too receptive to calls. We didn't try too hard. Um, and then that next day, we had a good win. Uh, I, Grant actually had conferences. That's why you couldn't come. Parent teacher conferences. So Jeff came with me and um, kind of almost identical the night before. We had a good cold weather system move. The barometer was, was dropping, and he got up early. I gave him two grunts, which all I did was mimic what he was doing. He came up, and he gave out two grunts. There's a couple other does in the field and one small buck, and that's all it took. He marched right in. 35 yards, broadside, perfect. I mean, and uh, he dies on film. He only went about 20 yards. So, um, wow. It was my it was my first time bow hunting because we hunted that first weekend in October out in Colorado. So this is my first time with my bow in hand. Wow. And and here I run in, <laughs> yeah. you know, one of our target bucks. So can't beat that. Get no, this. no. And Start then, off with a home run. Yeah. 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 It kind of threw me off when I when you said it was your <clears throat> first time hunting. I was like, I mean, we're already in the season here getting, I mean, it's already kind of going by. Yep. And then yep. you're like, first time in the stand. and I'd already like, done like Dude. five packing hunts on public. <laughs> <Yeah. at that> <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Not even seeing a target buck. So, 
Yeah, that was pretty cool because usually, I mean, that first couple weeks in October, it's game on. We have a competition with the six of us every year. The last one to kill a doe has to take a bite out of the heart. So usually neither of us lose. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> but um, with that antelope trip, Jeff, Matt and Jesse um, and Logan got a leg up on us. So they got to hunt opening weekend, where as Jeff Garrett and I opening weekend, we were in Colorado hunting antelope. And so we didn't get to go knock down does. So it's like, so the night before, like Garrett talked about um, when we saw him uh, the night before he and I went in there and we were just looking to shoot a doe and we saw him come out of an end row and we knew with the wind, that was the best place to hunt the best option. We weren't really expecting to see a buck, but he goes, um, there's two younger bucks that pop out of a finger and you guys know, I mean, a vantage point is insane. The, the difference that three feet make is insane because when these deer came out about 120 yards away, there was a little basket rack eight and a spike and Garrett was like, big buck, big buck. And I'm like, <laughs> what? He couldn't see him. I couldn't, yeah, I I couldn't, give, see, I couldn't him. see the third one. So I glass up. I'm like, dude, that is not a big buck. <laughs> what are you looking at that I'm not? And he's like, it's right behind the eight-pointer. I'm like, what? There's nothing behind that eight-pointer, man. And uh, finally he stepped out. I'm like, Oh, son of a gun. Yeah, that's true. And so the buck we nicknamed um, Josh, the year before we had him on trail camera, we called him the short time 10. Um, so we had a decent amount of history with him the year before, but we ended up calling him Josh because the night before Garrett killed him, he was I thought he was joshing with me like, big buck, big buck, what? <laughs> and I thought he was trying to pull one on me, you know? So that's, I guess, why we called him Josh, which is kind of a neat story in itself. But Yeah. Um, yeah. That was That was pretty interesting how like quickly our season got off to a hot start this year and uh just laying eyes on him um i think was why we ended up killing him laying eyes on him the night before we knew where he was betting via trail camera data and we had a great wind for the following day it was a significant drop in temperature about 15 degree drop and we knew like okay you're right here you're bedded this is the wind if you're walking into it you're going to walk right by us and you know, that's what he did. And so just that visual cue of being able to see him, see where he's going um, the night before, I think ended up being his demise in the end. So that was, that was pretty critical that we saw him that night. It was awesome the way it all unfolded. Yeah, that is awesome. Like you said, naming him Josh, I think that's cool. I never used to name deer. And then homie was like, you got to start naming these deer. Cause I can't, there's too many of them. I can't keep them. Dating. And now that I've named them, I got to name every one. Oh yeah, because right. then you get a connection with them. Yep. Just like the deadhead I was showing you before. Yep. Like that was my baby. That was what? How many? How many trail cam pictures do we have of him? I mean, we we got a ton. And yeah. I was like, this is the one that's going to be another, you know, 190 cruising around in sure. a few more years. And from velvet all the way up to gun season. Yeah, he's just everywhere, you know. And and I was Gosh. like, yeah, I was. And like, those are the deer that you get excited about because yeah. you know he's living here. Yeah, I yeah. can, I can hold him and protect uh-huh. him. Yeah, you're like you this, said, this baby. Yeah, right. yeah. This is this is this is the deer that I can hold for two, three years and really be like, okay, just ch- just hang out here. You got everything you want. You're and safe. You're safe, and and then grow them to what you want. So sure, I got to name everything now, like you said, Josh. But then you yep. shot Lucky, right? Yeah. And oh, when man. when uh, that was the one that we were like. You rat, you rattled them in, right? Oh, it, this his it was unreal. Harvesting a lucky was one hundred percent by design. I it worked perfectly. Um, I don't want to. This is Grant's deer, so I'm gonna let him tell the story of it. But 
I mean, everything down to where we hunted, why we hunted, when, what we did was was scripted and preconceived to a T. So it was October 20th. Um, the 21st is when we killed him. He and I, I know we get a lot of flack for this and kind of made fun of sometimes for this, but he and I use the absolute crap out of mock scrape everything. So licking branch rub, scents, everything that Code Blue sends us, we put we put in the field and we put out. And we get eight or ten big scrapes going. Um, so if you want to talk about scrapes first, I think that's a big thing sure. that we... I think that's one of the main reasons that we're usually successful before the rut. Um, yeah, is that's due, awesome. I want, is due I want to, to the, cover that, yeah. Due to the three kinds of scrapes and the distinctions between the three kinds, and that's something we've been able to kind of learn over the last few years. So uh, you want me to do community and you can do the other two? Sure. So a community scrape is essentially what we call at least a community scrape is a huge scrape. It's um, there every year. Yep. It's there almost every year. It could be three or four feet in diameter. It's massive. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have a licking branch on it, but it is, a, it is a scrape that a doe visits, that a buck visits, whether it's mature or non-dominant. And every deer in that area is using that scrape to just say, Hey, I'm here. This is like a social hub. This is like the bar at the corner that everybody goes to, pops in and says, what's up? So we always hang our trail cameras, set them to video mode on about the 10th of October, because at that point we're starting to get scraping activity, especially very hard on those community scrapes. And then the other two, you can go over those. Right. And so like what Graham was saying, you know what we're talking about. So it's, it's that scrape that's there every year. Yeah. And it's not just that one buck that made it, because you've had those, right? You kill the buck, and then those scrapes are gone. Mm-hmm. It, this is that one that's there every single year. Um, that's the community scrape. Another one that, and we've dubbed these terms, I mean, you can, is a territory scrape. So this is a scrape that's made by a buck when it's his testosterone levels are increasing. He's starting to iron out his turf. You know, he's, he's kind of making sure there's nobody else on his territory, so on and so forth. And these are going to be on the outskirts of your bedding areas. These are going to be the outskirts of your rub lines. And, and you're going to see a higher frequency of a particular deer visiting these. And then lastly is what we call a dominant scrape. Now, these are the ones that sometimes you'll find and you'll see deer make them. Like when you call to a deer or you see a deer with another buck in the field, he's he's strutting his stuff. His hair will stand back up on his neck and he'll walk over. And when hunters find, oh, this is the beginning of a scrape, you'll hang a camera and, and you'll never get any interest in it. Well, it typically is is that that buck is posturing up. He's trying to, to, to show his dominance. Yep. So he's walking over, beating up a tree, and he's scraped the ground for two minutes. It's not really signified, but it's, it's there, right? So those are the three big scrapes. Well... What Grant was saying earlier to kind of bring it all around is we develop mock scrapes very early, typically that first week in October. So as soon as we came back from Colorado, I went out to the farm, and I knew where two community scrapes were going to be, so I already started them, beat the deer to them. And then I started to – we knew where some key bedding areas were on the farm. We designed another mock scrape in conjunction with some of these community scrapes. Well, Lucky picked up right where we left off. It was almost the next day – he was there, and he started using them. And it was every single night from October 10th until when Grant killed his deer. This buck, Lucky, was in three of these scrapes that we had made. Um, and, I mean, it was it was like clockwork. Every single night he was there. Now, not, never a daylight picture. 
So this is kind of unique. Usually we wait for that daylight to occur. We're real close, and then we go after them. But we had that special storm system, that really, really early frost, mm -hmm. that super hard frost um, in October. And that we, we figured if he's going to move early, it's going to be today. So... Yep. So on, on that community scrape and the territory scrape, when we call a territory scrape, that's kind of like a buck setting up his perimeter. Um, so we knew where Lucky was bedded because of his proximity on our trail cameras to daylight. So he's in this strip of timber. It's about 15 acres big. And he was hitting the Northern camera on our scrape line that we had made the earliest and then following suit down. So we had three consecutive trail camera pictures of him almost every day, all in that order every single day. And so he would start from the north, work his way south, and then he would go back up north to kind of isolate his 15-acre little patch of timber that we were pinning him down in. So we knew that he was bedded in there or bedded extremely close. So the October um, cold front rolled in. It was the morning of the 21st, and it was 27 degrees out that morning. So it went to, from being a, a daytime high of like mid-60s the day before all the way down to 20 mid-20s. So we were like, okay. We could get aggressive right now and roll the dice and see if it pays off. So there was a hard frost that morning. We bought Bucky, our decoy, in. And I think the other key to killing this deer was the mobility factor. So the day before, we Garrett had went in and, like you said, with the flexibility of his work schedule, excuse me, he was able to get out and move our mobile set. So we always have a quote-unquote mobile set of deer stands, something that's this is our floater set. If there's something that pops up, we're going to hang and hunt here. And so he moved our mobile set 120 yards, 150 yards to the south, overlooking where this community scrape was. So we snuck our decoy in, put him around the corner, and we just did our first rattling sequence really loudly, a couple grunts right in the morning, right at first light. And we could hear him marching in through the dew, through the grass. And um, he walked in, came around the corner, to 13 yards posturing up to our decoy the whole time went straight for it and we aired him at 13 yards and it's yeah. the, the cool uh i guess the cool story about lucky um from a history standpoint was the following year the reason why this deer's named lucky is as a five-year-old we believe lucky was the brother of the deer garrett shot so you guys were both at our launch party the deer we named slick um, he was a deer of that caliber, like a, a really solid 10 pointer. And he almost looked dead nuts, just like slick did. So we thought, well, you know, maybe these deer are twins. The reason we call him lucky though, is because he broke off his left side G2 the following year. And I had multiple opportunities to harvest him with a gun and almost one opportunity to harvest him with a bow. And we said, you know, this deer's really lucky that he's not put together. Otherwise, we'd mm -hmm. probably be harvesting him this year. So that's how he garnered the name Lucky. And then um, finally, he blew up, put on about, um, put on a lot of antler, and we were able to harvest him as trail cameras. Um, we believe a five-year-old buck. So it was pretty cool the way it all went down, rattling that early and yeah. knowing the play and the drop in temperature and knowing that he was frequenting those straight lines and being able to be mobile and go kill him. I think that's what killed the deer. So it was pretty awesome to harvest him that early. Sure. That, that same day we had a, what do you think chaos is like a four and a half or five and a half? He's right around there. Four and a half. We just yeah. picked up the piece this year True. and there's just this, uh, probably real solid mid one thirties eight. eight real yeah. solid real yep. heavy really nice mm -hmm. and uh when we first got the trail cam picture i drove my truck in there because we had to do a bunch of <laughs> like knocking down a bunch of tall grass sure. to be able to 
get a shot at this deer where he was having, and with me being a dad and having a three-year-old, he, right when we got there, like it was hot, right? So he's like, oh, I'm hot. So I put on my truck, I turn on, we get the air, air conditioner on and homie's like going through the truck got pictures. And then my three-year-old's in the truck, just honking the horn. Just, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. And, and then the weed eater, the, we took a weed eater out yeah. there. I was like, oh, weed eater knocked this stuff down and it was too thick. So it was knocking the string off. Right. So sure. it was this utter chaos. So homie's like, oh, we got this real solid buck, man. And so we named him chaos. Okay. But. Uh, he daylighted that exact same day on a community scrape in the morning, heavy frost. Yep. Yep. What, like 740 in the morning? Yeah. I mean, we killed. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was perfect. That morning was deadly. Yeah. And, and not everybody capitalized on because it's still kind of early, right? Mm-hmm. Some people were hem on about going out, but. I think we actually took a vacation day that day, didn't we? But we hunted the other piece because I was like, we can't miss this. We can't miss this cold front. Yeah. It was and we Saturday. hunted. Yeah, we hunted, we hunted the north corner stand, and we didn't see anything. We seen a couple small bucks and does, but then on the other cam, he daylighted yep, at sure. a set that you could tell that there was a scrape there the year before. Yep. I told homie, I said, there's going to be a scrape here, and then we end up running a trail cam on it, and we didn't pull that cam for like a month Yeah, because we were focused on that you know mr freeze Obviously, all year right and we didn't pull it for like a month and then he daylighted like every cold front in the morning he daylighted so i feel like well that's good man i feel Put like that in next the brain year bank? yeah Dude, i feel yeah. like next year there's a cold front in the morning <laughs> that's where you're going he's gonna be there right yep. and yeah. that that stands like he once he's in once he's outside of the timber he's got to walk 45 yards to get to that scrape and once he's outside of the timber he's dead yep. where he's coming out of because it's like it'll be a Eight-yard shot. Whoa. Sure. Well, I, I mean, it's I, right there. Yeah, I was say, I think that morning he just come right under the stand. Yeah, I think he came right under the stand, Man. right to that scrape. And then, like you said, it was a community scrape. We had we had two shooter bucks hit it. And we had the tall eight. Yeah, the tall eight, and then him. And then we had a bunch of small bucks. We got a piebald doe that's, that's hitting cool. it. We yeah. got a bunch of pictures of whole, her hitting it. And uh, it was just it was it was really good for a long time, and even late season there was deer right yeah. hitting it, but not. And then we had a big snow, and it knocked down all the grass in that area, and the deer just vacated. Yep. But we're gonna put an acre of beans in there this year, and hopefully, nice hold some stuff, and then put that wagon blind up there on the acre of beans, and that's gonna be sweet. But yeah, I hope next season we're really keen on if there's a cold front early like that again. This deer was like daylight and like crazy, and then during the rut on that piece, it was mm-hmm. like. If you were there, you could have shot a deer. And we were right. like, we weren't there. We, were, right. we didn't pull trail cameras for a month. <laughs> we were like, we missed all this oh, intel. Yeah. But yeah, sure. those cold fronts early season, even if it is the morning when people were like, the people that are like, they know everything, right? Don't hunt in the morning in early, you know, mid-October, early October. Yep. Sure. There's a cold front you got to hunt. Well, and we, you know, like to get onto the story too, we hadn't hunted this deer a single time. This is the first time we went in to go kill Lucky. Like, we would tiptoe around to check the cameras to freshen our scrapes to make sure he was still using them. But, um, and we had pre-hung the stand, like Grant said. We had it in our mind he was going to come out of the south end of his bedding area, like his ritual was. But given what was coming, we made the mobile, you know, I threw the mobile stand up. We made an adjustment, and uh, we went in and hunted him, so. Yeah, you guys did the right thing. So let's cover Tonto real quick. Yep, And then we'll, we'll wrap this up. All right, so we'll speed through this because we're hitting that that golden hour. Yeah, that golden hour. Um, (laughs) Tano. Tano's a deer that Grant and I have history with. A a four-and-a-half-year-old last year uh, made a hard pass on him actually the same day that I had killed Slick. Um, 
you know, we did not know much about this deer. He arrived on our farm as a four-year-old. Um, we, and we're happy to take him, right? Come on. You want to come over <laughs> yeah. go for it. Right. So <laughs> we wrote him off the book just cause we, we, you know, again, you hypothesize these deer this age, gave him a pass and he vanished. We didn't know if we made a good decision or a bad decision. Um, then October of this year, he started to show up on trail camera. Um, he had kept some of his signature characteristics, a little cheater point on the outside, his hard-tipped uh, G3 on the one side and um, on his right side. And, and it was a deer that we immediately put on the, the hit list. So the season happened. Josh was harvested early, my buck. Then Grant shot Lucky. And at that point, when you're a buck ahead early, you're waiting on one of your top targets. You target feel real deer. good, right? You you're do. like, you're like, ah, oh, I got one down. I'm waiting on a giant. I'm waiting on the buck I want. And yep. that's what that's how I normally am. I kill one early, and then I'm like, okay, I can just chill. Right. You know, yep. it's yeah. nice. Yep. So um, we actually had an opportunity at this deer in November, <laughs> but at, so you will understand, and some of the other listeners will with with an SLR camera. The lenses interchange. So we have an arsenal of lenses to give a different type of feel for for a variety of reasons. Long story short, it was that snowy November morning. Hate snow. But it was beautiful. Oh, like, yeah. We got in there super early. Deer were going crazy. We saw one of our other hit listers, Johnsonville, called him Johnsonville, big fat bratwurst tines, you know. Um, and we'd seen some other smaller deer, but the sun just started to peek through the trees. And we, we both looked at each other, and he's like, dude, this is... I got to get some of this, right? So he's like, I'm going to change out the telephoto for the wide angle. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, go for it. So we're, I'm out of and position. And it's like 10 o'clock at this point. Right. Just so so okay. everybody knows. Right. It's not like, it's not like yeah. prime, like first say- hour and a half of light. <laughs> it's about 10 o'clock. So we're like at the point, you know, it's, it's in during the rut. So we're at the point where it's like, okay, things are slowing down a bit. We saw 40 deer within the first two hours of light and we're like okay we haven't seen a deer in about an hour it's time to get some b-roll yeah yeah okay time to get some b-roll so flip on the wide angle getting a bunch of b-roll well it wasn't even that yet like and then yeah what we weren't even there i wish we would have been because we would have made it work but i'm out of position you know kind of like trying to help him he's got the camera bag sprawled out on his lap he's got the the camera disassembled and then all of a sudden we both look at the same time and boom here comes tano pushing two does and they're not running hard he's just walking i mean he looks like a bulldozer coming through the timber <laughs> and we're like frozen and the camera's literally a, it's not together like no <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's like no one's on. and he's like holding the camera with bag with one arm he's like Garrett, i can't move i'm like i know it's you know in this point whatever and it's really quiet yeah. and they're uh they're, 13 yards 15 oh, yards away they weren't like, at first but the they does got were right really there. really i don't i don't know on pins and needles and i'm like garrett i'm in a really bad spot right yeah, now and, i mean there's, there's nothing, nothing he can right do. really i can do so the does they didn't bust out of there, but they did their little trot away, and of course he followed suit. But we had him dead to rights at like twenty yards, like right where we wanted him, you know. Yep. And and uh, I just remember Grant's like, I want to throw this camera in the creek right now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but so we had a great encounter with him. Unfortunately, nothing was recorded. Um, first shotgun season comes. Great, great snow that we finally had and i know you don't like snow i i love oh it. i love snow i just don't like filming in snow because i'm not far smart enough to get the blue out get the blue yeah. and the lighting and oh, make yeah. it look legit and then my lighting like you gotta over adjust and then it's the iso's too high i'm i'm learning there gotcha. you go man <clears throat> yeah that's why i love hunting in the snow i hate filming in the snow oh yeah so that's it's, the difference. it can be super harsh yeah so 
So it was opening Kayla's day. birthday yep. on the 29th. Yep. So his girlfriend, which is my wife's sister, as uh, funny as that is. Solid move, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the best move ever. Yeah, we're going hunting. You girls hang out. Right? Oh, so, they, yeah. they're hunters too, man. Yeah, yeah. They'll give yeah. So anyway, Grant Grant had a tough decision, and he, it was her birthday. So he drove up to see her and, and take her out, rightfully so. Of course, that yielded me by myself. Now, that's the only time that we'll self-film is when we're gun hunting out of a blind. And um, deer started pouring out. I was actually filming a four-year-old that we... Grant and I both agreed he gets a pass no matter what, named Pretty Boy. He comes out, gives me a heart attack. I'm, like, filming him because he's, like, a 154-year-old. And I'm watching him. I look over to my right on the other side of the field. Here comes Tano, you know. So um, he – most of the other deer were feeding in the field. This, he did nothing. He came in. He scent-checked the first doe he ran into. He moved over to the next one. And I was just filming him at this point. And you're always – you're comfortable, but you're on edge, right? Because when do I take him? I want to get yeah. as much footage as possible. I just want him to show up and die. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but then again, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity. So um, guns out the window. We're all ready, and it's about a 125-yard shot. Um, and uh, the Savage did a number, and Tano fell about 40 yards after the shot. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was jacked when you got it done. That was first shotgun season, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, they got it. I'm like, he's bucked out, man. He's yeah. just filming the rest of the year. I'm like, that's got to be a nice feeling. With us being just two guys, we said this year we're filming each other. We You have to. It's yep. just, there's no, you can't self-film that's in bow hunt. It. It's just it's impossible. So, so we decided this year, but I'm like, man, to be able to be shoot a buck early and then be bucked out by shotgun, now all late season you can focus on one other guy. So that was nice. But, yeah, I was jacked for you guys. You guys were dropping deer and – and we follow your Instagram story is pretty heavy, so we're like, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're jacked over here. I'm and I'm calling home. I'm like, you see that buck? And then when Matt dropped his, oh, he dude. didn't even tell me. He just said, check your Instagram, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that, so, was, that was the heads up. Check the Instagram. Yeah, he was like, just <laughs> check, just check. And then he just hung up. He's like, yeah, check your Instagram. And I'm like, Click. all right. So, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, this, this is going to be the first release of Last Breath. We went over a lot of stuff here, but if you want to get to the – they're professional guys. They're top quality. But if you want to get to the fun side of Last Breath and the guys that they really are outside the film and then some tactics that they're going to be using late season coming up to better their season for the following bow season, um, that's going to be the next episode, so don't miss that, guys. All right, this is the wrap-up of the first episode from Last Breath. What do you think, homie? Man, these guys are top-notch. They're killers, aren't they? Yeah. Man, killing some giants, antelope, turkeys. I mean, they got it going on. I just I just want to be able to hunt like they do and get it done as soon as they do. I know. You know, I mean, uh, a plan with action. Yeah, I know. They got our planned out and they're going in and strategically killing deer yeah. every year. That's, that's saying something. And... On high quality footage, two guys, two cent, two access. I mean, that's a lot, you know. Yeah. So, um, we need to maybe do like a mobile set like that. Like, yeah, we, we need to do something like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I guess what I got to do is just get a lone wolf. Yeah, I got like two lone wolves yeah, running around. Get that. Just pack. I got the sticks and just pack it in and have it and sitting in the studio if, if we need to 
move around and and hunt it up we can we can make it happen yeah but i like that technique and there they talk about having a mobile set that's a yeah that's a really good idea i could get a saddle oh yeah no i'm not getting filming out a saddle <laughs> never get a saddle solid all right guys uh get out there um uh, find some sheds try to leave a legacy and white to legacies out